on the field and inside the clubhouse. This is Brewers Extra Innings, live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Radio City. Here's Justin Garcia. All right, the bats are still there for the Brewers. Devin Williams is good as ever as well, but this offense has certainly come to life in the second half of the season, and the Brewers take the first two in a three-game series with the Boston Red Sox. I'm Justin Garcia. It's Brewers Extra Innings. We're here until 8.30 tonight and invite you to join us here over the course of the next hour, 855-616-1620 is the Acunet Mortgage Tonk and Text Line to join us on Brewers Extra Innings. Jerry Augustine is going to join us momentarily here and break down uh, what we saw today, some timely hitting. Mentioned Omar Narvaez on our pregame show, and you'd like to see Omar start to get going here offensively because we've seen some nice gains from guys like Willie Adamas, despite the 0-4 for 4 today. But Willie Adamas, Colton Wong, they've started to heat up, and certainly... Hunter Renfro, who goes deep again. But uh, you got a home run from Omar Narvaez, and you got timely hitting from this team. A big, big sacrifice fly from Colton Wong, and some big hits throughout the game as this offense did enough early in the game. So starting to feel like one of those games we've talked about before. Talked about this a couple of weeks ago going into the All-Star break. Uh, the, that uh, second-to-last game against the Giants, that was certainly one you felt like you had your opportunities and should have won. Of course, we'll remember the bulk from that game a week prior. You think about that game against the Pirates. Games like this had started to pile up where you looked at it and you said, man, the Brewers are stranding runners. They're getting these opportunities, and they're not making the most of it. And you see the opponent come back and put together timely hitting and essentially steal the game. That was your fear early in this, especially when it was 2-1. to one. But that Hunter Renfro homer really, really calmed those concerns, and the offense stepped up big in the final few innings as well. So again, 855-616-1620 is the number to get in touch with us as the Brewers offense has started to find its footing, and we are less than three days away from the MLB trade deadline. So what does that mean for what the Brewers may or may not do? before Tuesday afternoon and what's the latest that we're hearing we will get you caught up on all of that and catch up with Jerry Augustine after this on Brewers Extra Innings this is Brewers Extra Innings on WTMJ one two swing another off the end of the bat it's a fair ball down the left field line Telez digging for two he'll put on the brakes it'll be an RBI single Yelich comes in to score. It's 1-0 Milwaukee. Yeah, Christian Yelich, we talked about this before the game. Christian Yelich at the top of the order has certainly found himself. And look, if this is who Christian Yelich is going forward, I don't have a problem with it. He's getting on base. He's scoring runs. And uh, the offense, I don't think it's coincidental that we've seen it start to do what it's done here in the second half of the schedule with Christian Yelich being as productive as he has, and also this team has started to get healthy now in the second half of the season. 855-616-1620 is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line to join us here on Brewers Extra Innings. And uh, we're joined now 
by uh, our old friend Jerry Augustine. Uh, Augie, you can't ask for a better start out of the break than what we've seen in these three series so far. You know, it's so interesting, Justin. You look at this ball club and going into the going into the break, everybody is questioning the offense. Can they? Will they get it? Will they start swinging the bat? Are they going to be productive on the on the offensive side? And you know, since the All Star break, uh, you couldn't ask for a better time for having four or five days off. It's really done wonders for this ball club. And you know, one thing that's impressed me more with this ball club. You know, we talk about they have the great pitching. I think the best pitching staff in all of baseball, defensively even strong, but they're at bats. As the game goes along, their at bats get better and better. And you look up and down the the box score today. There's a number behind each every one, each and every hitter that that played for the ball club today. And you even look at Adamas, 0 for 4, but came up with the big sacrifice fly. So being productive on the offensive side was something that this ball club needed. I'll tell you what, since All-Star break, they've been very productive. Yeah, all but two guys in the starting lineup drove in a run today. And it, that's the biggest thing to me that's been most noticeable in the second half is obviously Hunter Renfro on a home run tear. But uh, you talked about the timely hitting and not squandering those opportunities because we started to see that pile up, especially before the All-Star break. But in this game specifically, I think you were starting to get a little nervous when it was 2-1 to one and you were having consecutive innings with multiple runners stranded and, and thinking, man, the Red Sox are going to take advantage of this. And then Hunter Renfro hits the home run. And then Willie Adamas has that big sack fly. Even the Colton Wong sacrifice fly, which at the time was nothing, that was huge because that was what kept you in front of the Red Sox. You know, this ball club talked about, and, and really it's Andrew McCutcheon talked about, after the All-Star break, how they had... They got together and they just had a little chat amongst themselves as a team saying, what do we have to do to be productive in the second half? And that was to get better on the offensive side. And, you know, it's, it's, it's neat how you, how you have a veteran player like uh, Andrew McCutcheon come in and saying, you know, we had a little meeting. The right guys uh, spoke up. But when you look at it, you look at guys like, like, uh, like Yelly, who has a nine game hitting streak. You got McCutcheon sent in, uh, in his last 44. Four games is hitting over 300. Wong is hitting over 300 in his last 10 games. These are the veteran guys that understand that in order to be successful, you got to do the little things, and they have to start somewhere in that second half, and that's being productive at the plate. And I'll tell you, this offense has been really been been great, grinding out at bats, making the pitchers really work hard late in ball games, and uh, they're getting good pitches to hit, and they're putting them in play. They're moving runners over, and they're scoring runs, and you can't do better than what they've been doing since the All-Star break. Yeah, Christian Yelich has, has been huge, and I, I know it's easy to look at and you say, well, I was expecting him to be a 30-40 to 40 home run guy and the MVP guy, and if he's not that, fine. If he's this current version that's getting on base, and we know how good he is at running bases and going from first to third, but scoring runs, he's still doing that and still stealing bases at the same clip he was batting third. The big difference is he's getting on base more than 40% of the time, and then He's on base for those guys behind him, too, for guys like Willie Adamas and Rowdy Telez. And I don't think it's coincidental that we've seen some of those names. And, and you pointed to what McCutcheon has done. Colton Wong as well, what he's done for the last 30 or so games. I don't think it's coincidental that they're starting to do this as they're healthy and as Christian Yelich is the guy at the top of the order. 
Well, you take, you know, you, we had Christian, you know, when you think you're exactly right, when you think about a uh, Christian Yelich, you're thinking about a guy hitting over 300, uh, hitting 30 plus home runs, driving in 100 runs, but you have to adapt to what you can best do to help your ball club. And since they put him at the beginning of the lineup, he's made some great adjustments. Like now he's on that nine game hitting streak, streak hitting 361, just swinging the bat very well in that leadoff spot. But I think when you put Yelly in the, the leadoff, he can do so many things. He takes his walks, he gets on base, runs the base as well. And I think he's done the job that he is supposed to do. But you couldn't do that unless you had guys like Rowdy Tellers and Renfro and, and McCutcheon and Wong and Urias really doing a great job behind him. And that position of putting a guy in that leadoff spot who can get guy on get on base score runs run the base apply pressure to the to the opponent that's what you want to do and and Yelly's done just that but it's the guys in that middle part of the lineup that Rowdy Tellez and Renfro and McCutcheon and Urias who have really come up with some big hits they're the catalyst right now on why this team is scoring some runs that middle part of the lineup going up and giving good at bats going up there and being productive and I think that's made a big difference. You know, another uh, big thing today, which is is something, too, that you, you kind of maybe scoff at or just dismiss early, like, well, uh, the Brewers won by, you know, five runs, and you didn't have to go to Josh Hader, but that's also big, that this is one day you don't have to use him, because as reliable and dependent as Devin Williams has been, and Josh Hader, I know Council talked about it before the game as well, if, if what he did last night is going through struggles, then I think we have to reexamine things, that it, he struck out three guys to end the game but to even buy an extra day where you don't have to use Josh Hader and we've seen a lot of usage for that bullpen that was another huge part about what they did in the ninth inning yeah, the bullpen has been so great. Boxberger, because then he struggled that time. And you got, you got what Williams now, what is it, 30 outings without giving up a run. But, uh, you know, you look at what Josh has been doing lately. And you look at him last night, and yes, he has been struggling of late. But it really comes down to location and getting ahead of hitters. And he just looks like sometimes he's been overthrowing the ball a little bit, getting behind hitters. Josh is, throws the ball best when he can pitch on the inside, outside part of plate, down in the zone, and then be able to elevate and use that breaking ball very effectively. We saw last night his breaking ball was very effective. He got several strikeouts with the with that breaking ball, but it's the consistency of location with the fastball and I think all pitchers go through that throughout the year. You just can't locate the ball real well and you have to get it, but you look at Josh, he's a guy who just never gives in. He's going to go and he's going to battle you and last night, even though it didn't look that good, he still had the strikeouts and he got his 29th save. Yeah, and you didn't need to use Josh Hader today. You come up big offensively in the eighth and ninth inning and take the first two against the Red Sox. Seven of eight now to open up the second half of the season here. And the offense has just been pouring on the runs. I think it's 44 runs that they've scored in those eight games. Jerry Augustine uh, joining us here to break down this victory over the Red Sox. I want to get to a couple other things, Augie. We'll take a quick break, but when we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about Andrew McCutcheon and what we've seen from him, and some of the news that we heard uh, from Craig Council today about another addition to the rotation. We'll get to that after this. It's Brewers Extra Innings on WTMJ. This is Brewers Extra Innings on WTMJ. One-two pitch. Curveball hit in the air to right. Drifting back, still back, Davis, all the way back, and gone! Omar Narvaez takes a ride on the wind. His fourth home run of the season, it's 2-0 Milwaukee.
Omar Narvaez going deep. And the Brewers take the first two from the Boston Red Sox. They remain hot at atop the NL Central. Jerry Augustine joining us uh, now. And Augie talked about uh, Andrew McCutcheon. You did about you know some of the things we've seen from him recently. And I think what's still perplexing, though, is he's definitely become much more consistent. But it's still against left-handed pitching that we're not seeing it. For a guy that, for his career, has mashed against left-handers, it's all against righties that we're seeing the offensive production from here for McCutcheon. Well, I think he's his, you know, you look at what he's been doing. He's trying to be uh, productive at the plate, trying to hit the ball to all fields. And he's been patient. And, you know, just earlier in the season, he went through a streak where he was one for th- one for 40. And since that, he's been, like I said, he's hit the ball about at a batting average of 306. I think his patience at the plate. I think he's a veteran that that knows that he, his eyes are on him. All the y- younger players are watching what he how he's going to react and how you're going to produce. And that goes for the same thing with Colton Moore. With, when you have guys uh, guys like Colton Wong in the lineup, these guys are the type of guys that understand that during the season you're going to go through those slumps. How are you going to react to it? And the way you react to it and the way you fight back through that is really a good example for the other players on the ball club. And just to see what, what Andrew McCutcheon has done since that. And you're right. Usually it's the left-hand left-hand pitching he's just mashing but he's in a zone right now where he's taking the balls to all field he's staying off that that breaking ball early in counts and he's hitting the ball where it's pitch he'll get down in the count and he'll just take what he's what he's given and today he got two balls on the inside part of play fastballs was able to go and handle them and hit the ball off the wall for doubles and that's the patience you need to do to understand that you know you're going to go through the tough times but when I'm going through the good times I'm going to be approached that when I see pitch I'm going to put good swings, and good things are going to happen, and he's definitely proved that. Yeah, I think seven of his, his ten homers have been against righties this year. Would have had an 11th homer if he was playing in any other park but Fenway uh, earlier in the game today. But he he's certainly been uh, hitting the ball well. Colton Wong is, as well, and I know they mentioned it on the broadcast, but it's 50% of the balls that he's hit in the last 30 or so days have been hit hard. So you're starting to see Colton Wong kind of get back to the guy offensively that he was a year ago as well, which is is huge if you're going to continue to get the production from guys like Willie Adamas and Rowdy Telez that the Brewers have gotten uh, this season. The other big thing is we heard uh, prior to the game, Adam Adam McKelvey had the the tweet out there that Craig Council had indicated – there's a pretty good chance that uh, Freddie Peralta is going to rejoin the team earlier than that mid-August return date the team had said. Uh, No indication if that's a week early, if that's sometime in the next week, if it's a couple of days early, but we're going to see Freddie Peralta here in the very near future. Had another really nice rehab outing uh, last night for AAA Nashville, so uh, I know this is, is kind of a hypothetical question here, but let's assume the starting rotation is fully healthy as you get close to the postseason and you have all those guys in place. Eric Lauer, who's been as consistent as they come, is in there. you got the guys at the top of the rotation as well. What do you do with Freddie Peralta in the postseason? Assuming he's back fully healthy, totally stretched out, and you can use him however you want, how do you use him? 
Well, I think if you go four deep, Freddie Peralta is automatically going to be in that starting rotation. And, you know, he adds so much value with the style that he pitches. He's uh, aggressive. Uh, he's got great focus on the mound. He's proved now that with his great uh, with his great fastball that he has, he's no longer just fastball Freddie. He's the guy who has a good curveball and a really good slider. And he's added a little bit of a changeup. I think... You'd look at Freddie Peralta. He's so focused. He's in such a hard work and understands uh, what you have to do to be uh, a good major league pitcher. Now, he's gone past that stage of just being physically able to do it, then having the stuff to do it. Now it's that educational part saying that, you know, in order to pitch, I got to get my breaking ball stuff over. My secondary stuff is so important. It makes my primary stuff, that good fastball, that much better. I think if Freddie's back and it looks like he's on a great road to it where maybe two or three more starts and he'll be right back with the ball club. He's a guy that's going to be in the rotation and he's going to be a guy that you want in the rotation when you get to the end of August, when you get to the tough dog days of of the baseball season and get into that last month where it's going to be a special month for this ball club to win a pennant and get into the playoffs. Uh, Freddie Peralta should be right there in that starting rotation. And you're right. Lauer's been fantastic. What has Lauer done? He's just really simplified his delivery and he's throwing strikes and uh, he he continually goes out and gives gives the ball club good positive outings and then you have Aaron Ashby and Aaron Ashby can be a kind of guy that can do a lot of things we already saw this year what he can do with his great stuff as a starter but we also saw what he how good he can be out of that bullpen so you got some versatility there and we're not we haven't even talked about Hauser or Alexander or Small if they will help the ball club but I think when you got Burns Woodruff and Peralta in the starting rotation to face anybody you've got a uh, a quality three starters there that give that are as good as anybody in baseball. Well, and you know, that's that's the other big thing too is I, I think some Brewers fans have been quick to rush to judgment and get concerned hearing uh, David Stearns talk about we feel pretty good about the makeup of our club and we like the depth that we have uh, leading into the trade deadline kind of laying the seeds of hey, we might not do anything, but things like Freddie Peralta coming back shortly after the trade deadline, Adrian Hauser's uh, another one, Jake Cousins, they have a handful of guys that you may view as them getting healthy and coming back. That's actually a big trade acquisition for us. It sure is. I, I think that's a great point you made, Justin. And, you know, you, we, we talk about a lot of guys, but we, and you just mentioned him, Adrian Hauser hasn't pitched. He's been on the IL and hasn't pitched, but he'll be back sometime by the end of the year. We have to go back a couple years to remember what he has done out of the bullpen, where he had just, I think he had a minute ERA of 1.9 or something several years ago and threw the ball very well. That's another guy who can be versatile. But, you know, I like the way this ball club is set up, especially in the bullpen now with uh, on the left side and in the right side with getting another right-hander out there I think would be would help this ball club but that starting rotation is so good it's I think the best in all of it. baseball when you take Burns Woodruff Peralta Lau- and Lauer that's pretty four strong and that's as deep as you'll usually have to go in a playoff situation or a postseason situation you're sitting pretty good all right Augie uh, two in a row here against the Red Sox let's hope the Brewers can keep it rolling good to catch up with you yeah it's good to be with you Jerry Augustine here helping us break down another Brewers win in Boston to take the first two of this series. And again, seven of the first eight out of the All-Star break. 855-616-1620, the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Got some text trickling in we will catch up on. Still time to hear from you as well. It's Brewers Extra Innings and WTMJ. This is Brewers Extra Innings on WTMJ. 
1-1 coming. Swing and a fly ball, hit the deep left, headed towards the monster. It is gone up and into the second row of the monster seats. Hunter Renfro, home run number 18, and the Brewers have a 4-1 lead. Oh, ring the bell with Hunter Renfro, who has been red hot in the second half of the season here. That's his fifth home run since the All-Star break. He's driven in 11 runs during that span as well. And remember, you don't have to wait until Christmas time to ring the bell. Put the money in the Salvation Army Red Kettle. Donate now at milwaukee.org. Hunter Renfro, huge for the Brewers once again today, and uh, Omar Narvaez is going deep as well. So you're starting to find that offensive consistency. You'd love to see Andrew McCutcheon start to heat up against some left-handed hitting because I talked about this a little bit earlier on uh, Brewers warm-up as well. You're going to see names like Josh Bell linked to the Brewers and, and guys that you would associate with a middle-of-the-order bat. It would be great to have another one of those threats. But you got to find a place to play this guy. And what the Brewers have right now, it's fitting. Andrew Benatendi was another guy that a lot of fans were after and wanted to see here in Milwaukee. Where are you going to play Andrew Benatendi in the outfield, assuming Hunter Renfro and Christian Yelich are still a part of that? I know you have the designated hitter spot, but what Andrew McCutcheon is doing against righties instead of lefties is what kind of complicates that. It would be easy to enter a platoon with Rowdy Telez or Josh Bell if you acquire him and figure out a way to keep Rowdy Telez in the lineup every day and Bell and Andrew McCutcheon becomes a platoon guy against the lefties. But he's been mashing righties and struggling against left-handed hitters, left-handed pitching this year. So that's made things a little more difficult and you can't expect... 44 runs in eight games out of the break and what the Brewers have done, you can't expect that type of production to keep going forward here. But if you start to find this consistency, and again, health is the big thing. Everybody pointed to, we finally have the lineup we envisioned. Think back to opening day. Didn't have Urias out there. You didn't have a lot of these guys because of those issues. And now that this team is healthy, they're starting to find their stride, and all these guys are starting to post these offensive numbers we expected. Whether it was Colton Wong, Christian Yelich, certainly, you've gotten that consistency from Rowdy Telez. Willie Adamas, another guy that's really starting to heat up, and of course, Andrew McCutcheon. And now the biggest one in the last eight games is Hunter Renfro. 855-616-1620, the number to get in touch with us here on Brewers Extra Innings. We've got some texts to get to. We'll hear from Craig Council, get you the highlights, and a lot more after this. This is Brewers Extra Innings on WTMJ. Gore. Taylor drives one to center. Backing up Durant. Still back watching. It is gone. Tyrone Taylor bombs away. Hits another home run. His 11th of the season. It's a three-run ninth for the Brewers. Tyrone Taylor with one of those insurance runs, that ninth inning home run. Colton Wong with a big one as well. We'll get to that in the highlight segment, but a lot of timely hitting from the Brewers today. Mention it with Jerry Augustine as well, that uh, seven of the nine 
starters for the Brewers drove in a run in this game. Everybody contributed offensively. That was the theme of what Skipper Craig Council had to say after the game. Yeah, I mean, everybody had a, had a chance definitely to contribute, and it's, you know, I mean, I think it just it makes you feel like a tough offense when you got everybody doing something, and, um, you know, we've, we've continued to do a good job of that, and, um, you know, the, the, we're making it tough on a lot of innings. That's that's what we're doing, and, you know, we didn't cash in a couple early, and then, and then we cashed in pretty good late. How much of this do you think is just guys getting that break? You know, like all those road games first half... Um, I I don't have I don't have a good answer for you. I mean I think um, you know it's just we're getting the what we what we hope for is that it is that we'd have contributions up and down the lineup and and we're just doing a good job. And I mean, Yelly's feels like he's on base three times a game, and um, we're getting a home run sometime when from the middle of the order when we're we got guys on base. Uh, but it's it's the guys on base a lot. Um, and, and each inning giving us a chance to do something each inning. What about the late inning offense, you know, scoring five runs there in the last Yeah, well, today was just, um, you know, we gave ourselves a breather and they put together a big, a good, um, you know, a good seventh to, to, to get it close. And, um, you know, we've done it the last two days to extend leads. And, uh, we, you know, we'd, we'd make it easier on our pitchers. Craig, uh, Eric looked like he struggled a little bit with the command early, but kind of settled in as the game went along. Do you agree with that? Yeah, well, I think that's that's very accurate. Um, you know, I think it was 27 pitches in the first, uh, or 29 in the first, and um, but he, you know, he got he definitely got better as the game went on. But he, he ate up some pitches, you know, through three innings. He was, I think he's sitting around 70 pitches, and he just he just ate up a bunch of pitches early. Um, but again, you know, the the, the heart—it's very similar to last start. You know, the, the hard contact—he's avoiding that, so it's it's not stuff in the middle of the zone. It's just just a, just a lot of foul balls and too many yeah. too many balls. We talked about Devin before the game, but I mean, what? How special is this streak that he's on? Yeah, I mean, it's it's. I mean, it's incredible. I mean, you, you get spoiled by streaks like this. You know, I think we all do. Um, that uh, you know he, that he's just been so good, and you just have to—it's the number of pitches that you have to just keep making pitches, and really to not, you know, have, make a mistake or leave a pitch out over the plate or, or throw a pitch that somebody can drive. That's what he's done so well. I mean, maybe a walk, maybe a single, but the damage—he's—he's he's done such a good job of um, getting the hitter just in between enough where. They don't feel uh, offensive, you know, uh, damage oriented against them, and, and that's what the swing and miss does. It, it puts, it kind of puts the hitter on defense a little bit. And Devin's the, the combination right now is is just tough for hitters to handle. Greg, when you look at the entirety of this team right now, seven wins, eight games out of the break. How much confidence is this, are these guys playing with right now? Well, it's good baseball. I mean, you win you win games. It's, it means you're playing good baseball. You're doing a lot of things right. Um, you know, and, and that I think that includes the defensive side of the ball. Um, so it's just it's it's contributions from a lot of people. It's contributions in a lot of areas of the game, and um, you know I, I think it's it's always it's important to play. I, you know, to just show yourself you can play like this, um, and, and we're doing it in, on the road now, and, and that's a good sign. 
so seven wins in their first eight games out of the All-Star break. You heard him mention a little bit about Devin Williams there as well. And it talked about his streak with Augie when he was on with us. But 25th hold of the season for Devin Williams, who has been even more consistent than Josh Hader. I mean, that is as consistent and locked down as you get with Devin Williams into Josh Hader in the 8th and ninth inning. Um, you can't say enough good things about Devin Williams and what he did specifically in this game in the eighth inning and some of the at-bats that uh, that he had to face here. Pulling out the fastball, too, to get a strikeout that he just – that that change up just changes everything and you could tell that's what was happening in some of these at bats that you're constantly waiting for the change up and here comes the fastball and you can't catch up to it cuz you're waiting for that airbender devin williams has been incredible certainly a a deserving all-star here this season and it's been what's made this brewers staff not just the starting rotation the bullpen, all of it. It's what's made this such a pitching strong club, what we've seen from the Brewers this season. A couple of texts to get to. I have to tip your cap to the performance of Devin Williams. Again, keeping the Red Sox from scoring in the eighth, allowing Council to sit Hater, um, sit him down, save him for tomorrow. 30 straight scoreless outings from Devin Williams. That is all-star nomination that he got 100% res- uh, 100% deserved. That comes to us from Aaron in Illinois. So 30 straight appearances here for Devin Williams where he has not allowed a run. And I mentioned that as well of it may not seem like something, but getting to save Josh Hader once again where you didn't need to use him today and then what happens tomorrow if all of a sudden tomorrow's a 3-2 to two game and you need a save situation. Josh Hader's available for that now because of what the offense started to do in the 8th and uh, ninth inning. I'm one of those fans that's been rough on the Brewers, especially the way they headed into the All-Star break. But i got to say I'm impressed the way the offense has been able to produce here in the second half. If they can continue to do that, I think the sky is the limit. And uh, Doug chiming in as well. I think the Brewers could go to the World Series. There's just one thing standing in the way, left-handers. Look at uh, this stretch here. The only loss was a left-hander. Just let Tyrone Taylor play every day, too. He's a 25-home run, 85-RBI guy. Get an infielder. Let Tyrone Taylor be the everyday center fielder. That comes to us from Doug. 855-616-1620 is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Two straight in Boston for the Brewers who go for the sweep tomorrow. We will give you the highlights from this impressive win next on Brewers Extra Innings. Ready for this? Get up! This? Get up! And this? Get out of here! Go! Time for tonight's highlights. Here's Justin Garcia. All right, we'd see the Brewers offense get going early with Christian Yelich once again igniting things at the top of the order. Starting the game with a double before Rowdy Telez would bring him home. 1-2. Swain, a number off the end of the bat. It's a fair ball down the left field line. Telez digging for two. He'll put on the brakes. It'll be an RBI single. Yelich comes in to score. It's 1-0 Milwaukee. Rowdy would move from second to third. One batter later on an Andrew McCutcheon rocket off the monster. The 0-1. Swing and a fly ball. Deep left headed towards the monster and off the top of the wall. Telez is going to be held at third. The throw to second. Not in time. 
The monster held it in. Urizo would only settle for one run in that inning as Teles would be nailed at home when Colton Wong would ground into a fielder's choice at first. Rowdy Teles would go down swinging, so it looked like a promising start yielded just one run. Offense would beat back at it in the second, though, when Omar Narvaez went deep. 1-2 pitch. Curveball hit in the air to right. Drifting back, still back, Davis, all the way back, and gone! Omar Narvaez takes a ride on the wind. His fourth home run of the season, it's 2-0 Milwaukee. A 2-0 lead would soon be cut in half in the bottom of the second when J.D. Davis drove in Christian Arroyo. Brewers would strand two runners in their third, and they would continue that trend in their fourth. 3-2 pitch, swing and a miss. Struck him out with a slider at the very top of the zone. And Adamas strikes out. The Brewers have had multiple base runners in every inning so far. Willie Adamas, that strikeout there with two runners on. It felt like a golden opportunity slipping away. But Hunter Renfro would calm those concerns one inning later. 1-1 coming. Swing and a fly ball. Hit the deep left. Headed towards the monster. It is gone. Up and into the second row of the monster seats. Hunter Renfro, home run number 18, and the Brewers have a 4-1 lead. 3-1, 3-run lead, though, there for the Brewers as we move into the seventh inning, and Andrew McCutcheon would once again attack the monster, giving the Brewers a pair in scoring position. Board comes set, and the pitch, a high fly ball, deep left field. Verdugo backing up, and it's going to be off the top of the monster. And bounces back into left. McCutcheon into second. And now the throw goes over the top of Arroyo at second. But backing it up was Vasquez. So Telez will end up at third. Colton Wong, just a little bit later here in the inning, Colton Wong would make sure this opportunity was not squandered. It seemed like padding the lead, but this would prove to be a big run. These are some big insurance runs for the Brewers. High fly ball. Deep center field. Duran back onto the warning track just in front of the wall. He makes the catch. Tagging is Telez. He's going to trot home on the sack fly from Colton Wong, and it's 5-1 crew. And again, that would prove to be a huge run as Holby Milner would start to encounter some bad luck. A Christian Vasquez single brought home Jalen Davis, made it a three-run game. That would send Craig Council to the bullpen where Brad Boxberger would enter and face the same luck. He'd get two outs. But not before Xander Bogarts and J.D. Martinez each drove in a run to make this a one-run game. With Martinez at first and a rally starting to form for the Sox, Rowdy Telez's glove got the Brewers out of a jam. Boxberger brings home the pitch. Line right into the glove of Telez, who snags it for the final out of the inning. Hardest hit ball maybe of the inning off the bat of Verdugo. And he hit it right to Telez. And Victor Caratini then would start the Brewers' eighth inning. He'd get hit by a pitch and eventually find himself on third after a wild pitch. Willie Adamas would give the Brewers some more breathing room. Infield in on the grass. Caratini the runner at third. Taylor at second the pitch. Swing and a fly ball to center. Backing up. Still back Duran on the warning track to make the catch. Tagging and coming in to score is Caratini. And a huge insurance run put together by Willie Adamas in the Brewers offense. Six to four Brewers in front there. Devin Williams would enter in the eighth. And he was once again rock solid, securing his 25th hold of the season. 
And finally in the ninth, the Brewer Bats had one final burst. Score. Taylor drives one to center. Backing up Durant. Still back watching. It is gone. Tyrone Taylor bombs away. Hits another home run. His 11th of the season. It's a three-run ninth for the Brewers. Part of a three-run ninth, as you heard there from Jeff Levering, that helped the Brewers put the game out of reach. It helped them put Josh Hader on ice as well and sends them to -to back-to-back wins in Boston. And again, they're seventh in eighth games played here in the second half of the season. We will preview what's up tomorrow in this series finale between the Brewers and the Red Sox and take a peek at the scoreboard after this on Brewers Extra Innings. This is Brewers Extra Innings on WTMJ. I'm on top of the world. The Brewer offense keeps rolling as they take down the Boston Red Sox for the first two games of their three-game set. They go for the sweep tomorrow. It is a 12:35 first pitch. Our coverage will start at noon here on WTMJ, and they send Aaron Ashby to the mound in the series finale. Mentioned this earlier on the show. There is no updated timeline here, but Craig Council did say today They're very optimistic that Freddie Peralta will be back sooner than the mid-August checkpoint or timeline that we were given about a week ago. So that is certainly encouraging. And, of course, the biggest thing standing between us and next week is the trade deadline, which is Tuesday afternoon. I believe 5 o'clock Central Time is when the trade deadline is. We've seen the Brewers linked to a handful of names. I think if you're waiting for something massive – I wouldn't hold my breath. Uh, The most recent names that you've seen, names like a Ramon Laureano of the Oakland Athletics, those are the realistic type of things that I could see David Stearns and company doing here, and especially a guy like Laureano, who can play all three spots in the outfield, who's a very good defensive player and, and in all likelihood an average or slightly above average offensive player. But that's, I think, what the Brewers are looking for because as we touched on with Jerry Augustine, I think as as much as you roll your eyes when you hear people say things like what I'm about to say, it's true that getting Freddie Peralta back, getting Adrian Hauser and how you choose to use him if he's a bullpen guy moving into the postseason, um, a Jake Cousins as well, getting those additions, it's probably just as big, if not bigger, than anything the Brewers would have been able to pull between now and Tuesday on the, the trade market. So the other thing to point out, with this win, the Brewers are now three and a half games up on the St. Louis Cardinals atop the National League Central. Now the Cardinals are playing right now, and they lead the Washington Nationals 5-4, to four, moving into the bottom of the sixth inning. Uh, so that lead will either drop back to three, or it could grow to four. But this is big because of the new structure. The Brewers, in all likelihood, if they win the Central They're not going to catch the Mets or the Dodgers. Those will be the two teams that have the buys in this new playoff format. The Brewers would play the final of the three wild card teams under this new structure. So you got three wild cards. The worst record plays the the worst division winning record. The top two division winners get buys. So the Brewers in this scenario would play the final wild card team to make it uh, the top and second wild card team would then play each other and these are best of three series 
where the host team, they host all three games. So the Brewers, in this scenario, they would host that third wild card for all three games of that series. And right now, the Phillies and Cardinals are tied for the final wild card spot. So the Brewers are looking at either hosting three games of the playoffs or being in that spot where they're the final wild card team and they're playing on the road for three games against the St. Louis Cardinals. That's what it's feeling like is it's going to be the Brewers and the Cardinals playing each other in the opening round of the postseason. So uh, the scoreboard carries a lot of significance when we talk about Cardinals scores. Again, 5-4, to four, the Cardinals lead the Nationals moving into the bottom of the sixth inning. A couple of their scores to keep you updated on. Reds just made that big deal last night. Well, now the Reds are leading the Orioles 8-2 to two as that game is moving into the ninth. Uh, the Mariners, who benefited from that deal with the Reds to bring in Luis Castillo, they lead the Astros. They're not going away 3-2 to two in the bottom of the seventh. Twins have hit the skids here lately, but they're trying to rebound. They lead the Padres 2-1 to one in the sixth. White Sox and A's are tied at two, headed to the eighth inning. The Oakland A's may never lose again winning last night in Chicago and sweeping the Houston Astros prior to that. Phillies, who are tied with the Cardinals for that final wildcard spot, they lead the Pirates. Actually, that game is now tied at one in the bottom of the eighth, and the Braves are crushing the Diamondbacks 6 to nothing in the seventh inning. Those are some notable scores. Uh, the Giants and Cubs just getting underway. What's notable here, the Giants are reportedly willing to listen to offers for their veteran players. And one other score I suppose I should point out here, the Yankees beat the Royals 8-2. to What's noteworthy here is Aaron Judge continues to hit home runs. 200th career home run that Aaron Judge hit in this game for the Yankees. And it is uh, Aaron Judge on an absolute tear here. His 42nd home run of the season, 24 of those have come. In the last two months, Brewers get past the Red Sox, though, to take the first two of this three game series by a final of nine to four. They look for the sweep tomorrow when they send Aaron Ashby to the mound. Again, 12 35 is the first pitch. Noon is when our coverage will get started here on WTMJ. And then afterwards, we invite you to stick around for more Brewers Extra Innings. 9-4 to win here for the Brewers. They look for the sweep tomorrow afternoon in Boston.